This week on The Rail Splitter, the Abraham Lincoln podcast, we're talking about President's Day and Lincoln's influence on future presidents. Now, now, now. Not five, not four, not two, just three. The Rail Splitter, axe in hand, looking out at a frontier of hope and possibility. In excellent each other and party on dudes welcome to the rail splitter the abraham lincoln podcast my name is jeremy with me this evening is nick hey what's up internet land and mary hey rail splitter nation all right so um we do want to start uh this evening's episode or today's episode or whenever you're listening to it um, our thoughts are definitely with uh, Florida, and Nick and I work in a school, and obviously we're all, um, as people, uh, very um, saddened by what happened in Florida and mindful of that, so we definitely wanted to send positive vibes southward to Florida. Um, you know, we could talk quite a lot about those situations, but um, for now we'll just kind of send positive vibes down that way. Uh, for the unfortunate news and the 17 people and 17 families who um, lost their lives in another another tragedy um, that, at least in my view, we could do a little bit more to prevent. Um, yeah, to- I would say we could do a lot more. I agree. I think the only hope are is the youth. There's such a broken system on both sides. My only faith is in the younger generation. To use platforms like podcasts, YouTube, to generate it because the older generation that runs this country, Democrats, Republicans, have created a flawed system on all fronts, and the only hope is the youth. So, yeah, that's my message to the young people who might listen. I second that message very much, Nick. That was well said. Yep. Um, You know, I'm not, you know, I still have hope for our generation and the ones that are leading this country. But I think you're right, Nick, that any change isn't going to be lasting change anyway without the younger generation. Um, and it is the one of the encouraging things that I'm seeing um, are friends, um, really victims in a way, too, that were at the school using their voice and using their platform to say, um, we don't want your thoughts and prayers, we want action. I mean, there's a lot of them are saying in their grief and in their trauma Um, strong enough to say difficult things to say to people in power. Uh, Tremendous respect for those kids. I can't imagine what they're going through. Um, School safety is the primary function of my job. I mean, that's number one before any learning can take place. Um, Kids need to be safe. Teachers need to be safe. Um, This stuff keeps me up at night. I've thought about a million different scenarios, and there's just nothing... You know, I feel schools are doing their part. I really do. I feel teachers are doing their part. Students are doing their part. Administrators are doing their part. Um, but all of our work is reactive. There's not a lot of... Pro- I mean, our work is proactive, too, in t- teaching kids and, you know, building empathy and compassion and those things. But as far as these active shooter scenarios go, our work is largely reactive. And I want to see some proactive work to prevent these things. Um, all of my... Lost sleep is about what would I do in the situation. Hopefully, people are losing sleep about people in positions of power about preventing it. So, um, we need more Lincolns. I think he could have maybe pulled it off. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so there's no easy way to transition from tragedy to um, the thing that keeps us sane, or at least keeps me sane in this crazy world, which is talking about Abraham Lincoln and participating in this community. So we'll just kind of jump right in. Uh, it's ironic because I feel like some people would make, say that's what makes us insane. Well, yeah. Is that we <laughs> spend one night a week talking about Lincoln. Yeah, it's all, it's all relative. And man, this week, um, you know, we all live stressful lives, but man, I'm feeling it this week. So I'm very happy to be able to take an hour away from all of that and spend it with you all, as Nick would say, in internet land. Um, real quick, before we jump into today's show, I need to tell a little bit of a funny story. Um, one of my colleagues, Lisa, on the who's a elementary school principal, is friends with my mom, and uh, we were in like a meeting this morning about um, student record law. It was our our school's attorney was giving a training, which I kind of find interesting, but I can see how a lot of people would find it boring. Sounds uh, off. <laughs> right. Well, I did have a suit on because we had parent-teacher conferences later in the day. Um, so, you know, and I, whatever, at least had taken a picture or taken a photo of me on her cell phone in the meeting because she thought I somewhat resembled a young Alec Baldwin, which I don't. And I'm not saying this because I'm prideful because I'm not. But she put a picture of me wearing a suit and my hair was kind of slicked back apparently a little bit next to Alec Baldwin and then sent it to me and my mother you know, and of course my mom called me handsome, which was just very nice and touching. But the whole time I'm thinking, you know who Alec Baldwin looks exactly like? The biggest douche ever. Right. Millard Phil. Yes. Yeah. So what was meant, I think, to be a compliment, I immediately looked at him like, you're saying that I look like someone who looks like Millard Fillmore? What if she listens to the show? And she just hasn't let you, and she was actually <laughs> ribbing you. The most indirect burn ever. <laughs> yeah. Knowing and hoping that you would tell this story so yeah. then the thousands of people who listen to us will hear this. That's yeah. not true. Not yet, anyways. And I, you probably can't see very well, but that is what I got <laughs> sent to me <laughs> by her. Like you can see clearly. At least it's a young Alec Baldwin. Yeah. At least it's young, but you know. Yeah, I look like <laughs> I look like young Baldwin if he were as heavy as old Baldwin, maybe. <laughs> I don't know, but anyway, so that was my little funny rail splitter humor as soon as I saw it, and uh, my mom said handsome guy, so thanks, mom. That was your awesome. mom listens, doesn't she? She's a listener. She's one. Of, oh, she's a member awesome. of Rail Splitter Nation. Yep. Um, so today's episode uh, in the United States on Monday, uh, we recognize President's Day. Um, so we kind of wanted to tie in uh, other presidents into the podcast because I know not everyone's a, a Lincolnophobe like we kind of phobe, we kind of file, we kind of file like we are. Um, so we kind of want to talk about some other presidents um, for the holiday that at least Nick and I have off of work. Um, we did not. Have I didn't any... know why we had it off till now. It's President's Last Day time. in Illinois. Uh, school districts can choose between Lincoln's birthday and President's Day, and most people choose. Most districts choose President's mm. Day, um, which seems like oddly imperial, or I don't know what the word is, but oddly like you know we're not we're not ones to kind of do that, I guess, in a democracy. But who knows? You know. So we're honoring at least some of the presidents. Obviously, I choose to honor Lincoln on President's Day as well. Um, but of the 44 people who have been in office, they, they have a holiday. So 
We are going to tie today's episode to other presidents. The first uh, kind of little example is going to be a tie into how we kind of open the show from time to time, which is current events that involve Lincoln. Um, and that is the presidential portrait of uh, my second favorite president, Barack Obama, um, was unveiled. Now, I think it's important to note, and I don't know if a lot of people caught this in all of the hoopla around that portrait unveiling. This is not the portrait that hangs in the White House. Every president has an official presidential portrait that hangs in the White House. This is his official portrait for the portrait gallery in the Smithsonian, which is, you know, probably equally as prestigious, but uh, the, the portraits of Barack and Michelle Obama that were unveiled are for the Smithsonian, not for the White House. They're going to get those later. Um, so the artist who painted, um, Barack Obama's portrait, um, a man named Kahindi Wiley, uh, he is famous for painting black, um, people in the pose of, in a kind of stylized version of historic figures who were largely white. So it's kind of like this, um, using kind of irony and, you know, and kind of building up, um, people, black people in a way that white people have been kind of built up for years and years and generations and generations. So like, you'll see like an iconic, like, you know, painting of a king's pose, but it'll be like, you know, a member of the black community, either someone not famous, you know, he's done a lot of hip hop artists and athletes and entertainers and now, you know, now politicians. Um, so as I understand it, he originally wanted to kind of do something very similar with Obama, you know, and, and the president wasn't too keen on like sitting on a horse or <laughs> doing something like that. Plus like Obama obviously already is a very dignified person. Um, so what they ended up going with or what uh, Kehinde Wiley ended up going with was a much more subtle uh, reference in the painting. And it turns out that that subtle reference was painting Obama in a very similar pose to Lincoln's portrait in that gallery, which many of you are probably familiar with. It's the portrait mm -hmm. of Lincoln seated with kind of like the thinking man's pose. He's kind of got a um, his hand on his chin, um, which was lifted from, because obviously there weren't, Lincoln wasn't able to pose for paintings because I think I believe it was painted after he died, but it was taken from the that painting of Grant and Sherman and help me out, Mary. Um, Porter. Dix, uh, Porter. Yeah, um, yeah. They, the peacemakers. It, right. It's funny. I'm actually, I actually have my peacemakers t-shirt on right oh, now. Yeah. Like I have a t-shirt with it. Um, and I didn't know we were going to open the show with this. <laughs> so it's really coincidental, but yeah, that it's uh, from the peacemakers, which shows Admiral David Dixon Porter, uh, Sherman and Ulysses S. Grant aboard the river queen with Lincoln. And they're apparently having a peace conference. Right. Yep. So that, that, Lincoln in that painting was kind of blown up in a way, uh, you know, enlarged it away and then put on that official portrait. Um, so the fact that there's a subtle artistic reference to that portrait in Obama's portrait, like, was just so thrilling for me to read about and to see. Mm -hmm. um, I personally really like the Obama, both the paintings, but the one we're talking about specifically. Um, I think it's beautiful. I mean, it's got to be breathtaking to see in person. Dude, um, so let's forward. talk about the, the 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 damn bush he's in. <laughs> okay, like he's sitting yeah. in the bush. Mm -hmm. I think it's bizarre. 
I like I like I like the whole thing. It's posed after Lincoln and all that, but mm-hmm. like the sitting in the bush, I I don't know. But I'll tell you what, the Michelle Obama one, man, she's looking fierce right there. I think fierce is a and great her. word for that. So um, I'm all on board with the Michelle Obama. If you, I, I, the bush, do we know what the reason is behind the bush? Um, it's no. Mm, there's... there's lilies and chrysanthemums and jasmine uh, in there. Um, I don't know exactly why. I mean, that's it is um, kind of his style, like loud colors. Um, you know, I, I mean, I like the painting because there's there's like a lot of loud greens and striking greens in the flowers, but yet Obama just pops out of the painting, kind mm-hmm. of. You know, I just think it's... If the listeners haven't seen this thing, he's like sitting in a bush. He's in a bush. I, like, I don't know. Like, I mean, middle he's in a spring chair. In a bush, like... <laughs> the chairs been rolling around like I don't know what the hell's going on. I gotta agree with Thrill Splitter Jeremy on this one. I I do like the painting. It's quite to me, when I first saw it, I was like, "This is striking." And I, I about it is really cool. And I appreciate that. And I will give Nick a shout out. And as you know from like way back a few episodes ago, right around the Ken Burns episode, we had talked about how Nick and I walked through the Art Institute of Chicago. I have seen Nick in an art museum. He does appreciate art. He's not just <laughs> he's not just throwing these comments out there. Um, I mean, it's different. You're you know, I loved how they unveiled it, but you know, you're expecting kind of that, you know, fairly typical presidential yeah. portrait, um, and. It, it's just so striking in its, you know, in its uniqueness and how uh, it's a departure from that. Um, and I, I, I like that. Um, and I think that it, you know, the fact that we, that it's our first black president and he chose a, a, a black painter or black artist um, mm-hmm. is very significant and important. Um, and yeah, I, I just think it's, it's very cool. So definitely check it out. And there is a very subtle Lincoln reference. Um, as for the Michelle Obama painting, that one, I agree, Nick, is, is amazing as well. It is. It's fierce. I might have to buy that and hang it in the, in the the rail splitter office. (laughs) Um, right now I'm looking at, uh, Nixon's Norman Rockwell picture. I don't know if anybody's seen this. It's quite humorous to me. He's kind of got like his one arm hanging over like a chair and then like, is uh hands on his it's just bizarre just oh check yeah it, out, it is yeah are you looking at mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah i'm just i oh, find yeah. it kind of humorous <laughs> oh that is not how i envisioned nixon i, I no. feel like i feel like nixon was like you know don't show my jowls and then rock was like well i guess you're gonna have to put your hand on your chin because you know he's got that famous like droopy dog kind of look to him i'm not a nixon fan i'm just gonna say that yeah um i think he i think he said don't make me look like an ass that i am <laughs> he's like and and, and, and then rock will paint he's like oh man i think you're a little crooked here and nixon said oh i'm never mind i, I can't even finish that joke it's so bad i'm not a, yeah, a lot of the other ones are really boring i will give you they did go something different with obama so i'll yeah. give him credit for that yeah i i I love it. I think it's great. So mm-hmm. it's really cool. Yep. Um, oh damn! I'm looking at my boy Chester A. Arthur. His whiskers are. Oh man, this is beautiful. All right, <laughs> sorry. I'll stop looking. As we go down the rabbit hole of presidential <laughs> portraits. Yeah, this is you know, um, but the Lincoln one um, is. I, I do like that painting. I, I've always. Um, 
I like that it's referenced in the Obama painting. I'm not a huge fan of the Lincoln of that particular Lincoln portrait, um, just because I it doesn't. I don't feel like there's a lot of detail in the face. Mm-hmm. You know, it, like it, it looks like a guy a guy with a beard. I mean, it, clearly it's him, but yeah. like I feel like there's so much character, and part of it is too like his legacy as being like such a widely photographed president that we kind of see some of that character bleeding through in so many photographs and there's so many iconic photos of him. Uh, but that, that official portrait, you just don't see that character Mm-mm. in his eyes, in his um, kind of jawline and chin, like that resolve that you kind of get in a lot of photos. Um, it's just not there. Um, and I kind of, I kind of wish it was now, obviously time period appropriate, you know, it wasn't, Portraits back then probably weren't like, oh, let me show how ragged you are after four years of war in your mm-hmm. presidential portrait. That just wasn't going to happen. Um, but uh, I, I still think that um, just the, the, the Matthew Brady art and, and photos are just so, not art, but the art of photography um, is just, to me, just so powerful that I, I prefer to look at those. And I'm not a huge fan of his, either, either his White House portrait or his uh, Smithsonian portrait. Yeah, I do agree with you about that. I think that I like him in this pose when he's in the Peacemaker's painting because then it makes more sense mm-hmm. because you can see there's a whole lot going on in that painting. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas when it's just him on his own, it's not capturing who he was as a person, I think. Yes. So, and, uh, yeah, and that's more of a scene, too. You're kind of backed away a little bit and you kind of try to yeah. take the whole thing in. Uh, people might find this. Uh, Kira is listening to me record this and she just texts me. You don't understand art. No, you don't. His portrait is beautiful and symbolic. He isn't just sitting in a bush, you ass. So welcome to the show, is... Rail Splitter Kira. Let's <laughs> <laughs> see. That's I'll, I'll disagree with her, but you know, you can disagree all you want. You read the text; she wins. Um, so I, uh, I figure, you know, people will get a good laugh out of that. Oh, for sure, for sure. Um, so going to other presidents and their influence on, um, Abraham Lincoln, I, I'll just start with a fun story. I think that I like about Lincoln's connection, um, to other presidents, um, uh, two really, I think we've kind of briefly maybe mentioned one where when Lincoln was kind of up and coming in the political world, um, before he was president, uh, when Martin Van Buren was doing the, the free soil party thing and was kind of doing a little third party run for president. Um, he did visit Springfield around that time period. I'm not sure if it's exactly during the campaign or not. Um, and the dignitaries at the time chose Lincoln to show him around Springfield. Um, so that was an interesting connection to a former president uh, that uh, was pretty rare uh, you know, for Lincoln um, outside of his time in Congress of uh, brushing that close or really personal connection to a, a future, or in that case, a former president. Um, one story I really like is of the funeral train, um, and funeral possession of Lincoln, which, you know, that's a great book by Swanson that kind of takes that whole funeral cortege and, um, the tour of the, of Lincoln's body on its way back to Springfield. Uh, but when it went through New York city, um, and went down, literally went down Broadway, um, around Union Square, uh, Theodore Roosevelt, at age six, viewed the the parade going by. He was kind of a sickly kid. I think he was, you know, um, kind of ill and, and at home. But 
um, was able to look down and there's an actual photograph um, which is kind of eerie in a way uh, the, of the funeral procession and you can see a, a small child that's Theodore Roosevelt looking at the funeral procession um, I just think that's such a cool connection um, when you kind of think about his trajectory uh, after you know in, in his life and becoming um, along with Lincoln two of the Republican presidents who kind of um, have emerged as um, icons really in American history and and, and possibly um, have kind of different reputations than a lot of other Republican presidents do, um, except for maybe arguably, arguably Eisenhower. Uh, but anyway, I think that I, I really just like that story a lot. The TR was was right there and and saw him at age six uh, in such an important time and um, and way. I came across that story too in my research, and I thought it was a really cool story. And of course, that led to me reading more about. Uh, Theodore Roosevelt and Abraham Lincoln. And there's some really great quotes um, of Roosevelt's where he's talking about his admiration for Lincoln. He he said that Lincoln was a great mm -hmm. hero and meant more to him than any of the other public men. And in a letter that he wrote in 1906 um, to somebody, he said, I do not have to tell you that my great hero is Abraham Lincoln, and I have wanted while president to be representative of the plain people in the sense that he was. Not, of course, with the genius and power that he was, but according to my lights, along the same lines. And um, I was also reading that apparently Theodore Roosevelt based his leadership style upon, you know, he read a lot about Abraham Lincoln and based his leadership style upon that. And I think it's because of him that we have the Lincoln penny as well. Mm -hmm. That is true. See, and who knows, maybe if he didn't see that funeral procession, the whole thing would have been... Uh... A little a little different who knows yeah but yeah. um and there there was a really eerie well it's not really eerie but um at his inaugural in 1905 john hay gave him so lincoln's secretary gave him a ring to wear that apparently had a had a few strands of lincoln's hair in it mm -hmm. and roosevelt did wear it at the inaugural and hay said to roosevelt before please wear it tomorrow you are one of the men who most thoroughly understand and appreciate lincoln and, and I think it, coming from John Hay, that's pretty right. amazing. Right. Aside from perhaps Robert Lincoln, there's I would think there's no one else who could give the compliment at that time because mm -hmm. uh, Mary Lincoln had passed. Yeah. Um, who could, you know, had the street credit to give a compliment like that. Um, so, yeah, I think that's that's very, very cool. And I, I really like drawing that historic line from Lincoln uh, to Roosevelt um, because really – there's not a lot of presidents in between um, Grant to a certain extent, McKinley maybe a little bit, who really did a whole heck of a lot for the presidency. Do my boy Chester A. Arthur. Like, like I said, there's really not a whole lot of, <laughs> you know, I mean, like kind of there's, you know, but be, be, before between Jefferson and Lincoln, maybe Madison and Lincoln, excuse me, Jackson and Lincoln, I guess, I, as, as I changed my argument six times. Um, but between Jackson and Lincoln, you know, it's like a series of one-termers that didn't have a huge impact. Executive branch kind of goes down in power. Lincoln is Lincoln. Uh, and then it kind of wanes a little bit, and then with TR it comes back. So I really do like those uh, historic parallels um, and, and, you know, such great figures. You know, definitely, definitely a, a cool connection. For sure. And they would be two of the five presidents I would take in a bar fight with me. 
on my side. Mm-hmm. I, I, because I, they both could whip some ass. I agree. I agree. Um, Lincoln, yep. number one, of course. Um, all right, so uh, I'll turn it over to, to you both. What uh, what other presidential connections did you guys come up with to chat about? Uh, one that I found uh, interesting um, is a connection between Lincoln and Truman. Oh, my guy. I like Truman. Mm-hmm. Lincoln fired McClellan. For basically, uh, you know, not doing what the commander in chief wanted done. And, you know, Truman faced something similar with Douglas MacArthur during the Korean War. Um, you know, once the Chinese intervened and the belief that, you know, he wanted to go directly at China, um, you know, advocating Bobby mainly in China. And he was working behind Truman's back on other politicians, similar to McClellan. And I found a New York Times article that supposedly Harry Truman sent an aide to the Library of Congress to research um, Lincoln's firing of McClellan. So, um, you know, kind of an interesting parallel there where you had both these generals who were were very popular. Um, Definitely both had egos. Uh, Both kind of used the political back channels to undermine the commander in chief. And both times the commander in chief, um, you know, basically saying, "Uh uh-uh. So... I just kind of found that fascinating. Um, you know, something I hadn't thought about, actually, until getting ready for this episode. Yeah, and I cool. think there's quite a lot of parallels between those two figures um, as far as, like, you know, at their birth, their likelihood of getting to the White House was, yeah. you know, as small as maybe arguably any other president, um, maybe along with Obama, too, um, you know, coming from from very little means, um, Truman having almost no education, um, or at least nothing past high school, and um, kind of rising up. You know, he kind of used a little bit of political machinery in Missouri to get to the Senate, um, but but I think they kind of had some similar outlooks as being political dark horses, at least at, at a certain point. Um, well, you know, Lincoln didn't use a political machine, but Lincoln, you know, definitely used a political system and his connections there also to move up the ladders that not the same as truman but you know and i think the education point they're both known for their lack of formal education mm-hmm. but to me they both showed that they were indeed some of the two of the more intelligent presidents in my eyes anyways right and i think both of them too kind of had a reputation for um kind of communicating in a way that wasn't like considered like the erudite educated formal way but were both Mm -hmm. very intelligent you know they both kind of had their southern colloquialisms and like their you know um accents that weren't always looked at as like you know this is how intellectuals speak yet you know like truman with the buck stops here and you know kind of you know just kind of putting it out there um and like in the same way like you had a very 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 brilliant writer and speaker but yet still had a way to talk where people wouldn't listen and um could relate to him kind of a a down-home kind of way of talking so yeah for sure um one other real quick i just wanted to throw out um i'm I'm looking here at a list of presidents who were sworn in with uh the lincoln bible i believe there was only two Mm -hmm. uh Uh, I know one. What's that? 
Obama. Yeah, yep. Obama did, uh, which I think is cool that he did it twice. He used the Lincoln Bible both times. Um, and then the uh, inauguration after Obama, uh, the Bible was also used. So, um, you know. <laughs> Trump <laughs> used it? Yeah. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, um, there was a small controversy about the Lincoln Bible. Um, I don't even know if I want to say controversy. I think it was there was a small people making something out of nothing uh, because Obama, uh, cl- it was closed when he used it. He kind of put his hand on the cover, um, whereas a lot of uh, presidents kind of like they open to a passage and that means something to them, and he just kind of put his hand on the cover. But um, it's very small, kind of you know, kind of fits in one hand, but. Um, yeah, it, he, uh, Lincoln obviously used it, um, and it was his, like his, he owned it and then used it, um, and then Obama used it twice, and then the current president used it, so pretty cool, or at least two-thirds cool. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, what else do we got? I found some stuff about Kennedy um, and Lincoln. And Kennedy at one time stated that the three best qualities of Lincoln's presidency were leadership, courage, and foresight. And those would be the key qualities of the next president. Mm-hmm. And this is just before Kennedy became president. And I think Kennedy did um, exhibit many of those qualities. Um, he also said something um, in one of his speeches bef- um, when he was campaigning. Some may say that a Democratic candidate for presidency has no right to invoke the name of Lincoln. I disagree. Abraham Lincoln belongs to the ages and he belongs to all Americans regardless of their party. Um, so I think that was, I thought that was really cool when I found that um, speech. Um, just that, and too, he's saying Lincoln belongs to the ages. And here Kennedy is, you know, a hundred years after Lincoln was elected president, still talking about him. And I think that just shows how timeless Lincoln really is. Um, that a hundred years later, he's still being talked about and still being, you know, people are learning about him. Yeah, I agree. Um, and uh, I, Kennedy's also one of my uh, my guys um, who had almost nothing in common <laughs> with Lincoln's upbringing. Like I feel Truman had a little bit, but um, mm-hmm. I do like that um, uh, Kennedy, which is similar to Lincoln too, um, is able just to like subtly quote Stanton in the middle mm-hmm. of that statement without, yep. uh, you know, without trying, without being nerdy about her, but like, Hey, I don't know if you knew this or not, but that was a quote from Stanton. Like he just kind of yep. did it, you know, uh, similar to how Lincoln would just quote Shakespeare, um, mm-hmm. you know, kind of off the cuff and, and make it apply so perfectly in the situation. Um, that, yeah, I think, um, Kennedy was another one who, um, brilliant, brilliant person, but, but such a great communicator at the same time. Um, and, and I b- truly believe they're both martyrs for, for causes mm-hmm. of justice and causes of freedom. Um, right. and I, the similarities that is always on that poster about their assassinations is a bunch of hogwash. <laughs> I think that's stupid, yes. but, um, <laughs> oh, I came, I, I Googled like Lincoln Kennedy, you know, yeah. and that's all I got was, was that. And I'm like, no, <laughs> not what I want to read about this. Their <laughs> vice presidents had the same name. Like, yeah, Johnson. Imagine that. <laughs> so, um, but anyway, yeah, I think that uh, there's, there's, um, yeah, you know, it's kind of funny. We're talking about Lincoln and presidents, and it's like, oh, yeah, Obama and Truman and Kennedy, like, 
all people that I just really, really like, which is awesome. So, Nick, did well, you I have think any? Kennedy oh, sorry, too. Oh, I was going to say, I think Kennedy too had, he went through some pretty horrific crisis when he was president too, you know, like Cuban Missile Crisis and all that. And I'm sure during those times he was probably like, I don't know if he was thinking of Lincoln or whatever, but you know, those were times when he needed to have a lot of courage and foresight, just as he said, you know, those were the best qualities of Lincoln's presidency. And that's what would be the key qualities in the next president. And he needed those in the situations he was in. Yeah, I think for sure. And I, you know, you know, there, there are a few presidents um, who faced something even comparable to Lincoln. Um, I think you could probably say that Roosevelt uh, Roosevelt did in December of 41. Um, Kennedy did in the Cuban Missile Crisis. Um, I think you could probably say that George Bush did on September 11th, where mm -hmm. um, the level of stress in the importance of the office was heightened to such a degree, and national security was, at least at the time, you know, historic vision, historic hindsight's obviously, you know, skews it a little bit, but um, I think Kennedy, specifically with the Cuban Missile Crisis, was one of the few times in history since 1865 where like potentially the safety of and the existence of the united states could have been in danger um you know obviously hindsight now we know that it probably wasn't but at the time i mean we we're i mean that, that was very close to nuclear war um obviously the attacks in december 41 and september of 2001 had similar levels of stress so i think you could compare those situations as maybe the only ones really that reached the level of a degree of any number of days of Lincoln's presidency. You know, those are just like 12 days for uh, Kennedy and then, you know, one day or four years, you know, how you want to look at, at um, Roosevelt and then um, kind of this now dawning of the war on terror. Um, but yeah, that's, you know, to, to think about the magnitude of the stress that Lincoln was under relative to other presidents, um, I don't think, I think those are the, maybe some of the few exceptions. There may be others, and, and definitely tweet. I'm sure I've forgotten some you can tweet out at us. Um, but just to kind of put in perspective, those of you who are listening who may have lived through some of those events, and, and, uh, and we who didn't obviously live through September 11th, to think about the magnitude of the stress of the Civil War, not only on leadership for the presidents for this discussion, but on the people too, like the United States could have, as we knew it at least could have ceased to exist at any given time, really. Um, certainly prior to 18, prior to July of 1863 could conceivably have gone, gone the other way. Funny that you mentioned, uh, you know, 41 and 2001, because then my next two connections will deal with people from those events. All right. Uh, the next one is Dwight Eisenhower. Uh, we could probably compare to Grant too, his presidency. You know, both uh, the major, uh, two of the major leaders during their major conflicts during the war: Eisenhower, World War II, Grant, Civil War. Um, but Eisenhower was a big fan of Lincoln. Kept many of his papers when he was in the White House, and he actually painted a portrait of Lincoln that he had hung up. And Link, uh, Eisenhower spent a lot of time, and I believe after his presidency, um, living in Gettysburg. And there's actually an Eisenhower historic site out there. And he actually met, uh, he would vacation there during um, his presidency, met many uh, world leaders out there um, out in Gettysburg. So 
a very strong connection to, um, I think, Lincoln and Eisenhower from that standpoint. And George W. Bush has supposedly read 14 Lincoln bios when he was in office. Um, he felt, you know, that he could relate to Lincoln, being that the majority or just about the whole time of his presidency, he was um, in war, whether it was uh, Afghanistan or Afghanistan and Iraq, So, um, which I felt kind of interesting as well. And he has two pictures hanging in Dallas of Lincoln um, as well. So I wonder if he painted them. He is a painter. Yeah, yeah, they kind of have some yeah similarities too. Um, Yeah, and that's I think that also speaks to what Mary was talking about with um, the neither party really laying claim to Lincoln. Both you know almost every single president since then has looked to him as uh, inspiration for sure. Um, And then you know Eisenhower and Bush, both uh, Republicans, um, having a namesake, I guess at least um, claim to him as well. but yeah, and I, I do like how uh, Eisenhower I think is <clears throat> definitely a uh, a parallel to Grant in many ways. Um, especially, you know, I like how Eisenhower was <laughs> essentially ass- not assured, but a you know very heavy favorite for the presidency, and and nobody knew what party he was going to join. Um, <laughs> and, you know, it could have been similar with Grant. I don't know, Mary you probably know the history better than I do, but, um, I don't know if it was assumed he would be a Republican or if he kind of had to declare that, but, um, yeah, Eisenhower. Yeah, I think it was kind of assumed he would go, he would go Republican just, you know, because of who he fought, like obviously being a union general and being very supportive of Lincoln. I don't think there was any question about it that he would be Republican. Yeah. And I think Eisenhower, I think the absent, I think a lot of people assumed he'd be a Democrat because, of his relationship with FDR and, Mm -hmm. you know, how, uh, many of the famous, um, generals and successful generals who, you know, kind of were closely tied to their commander in chief at the Mm -hmm. time. Um, but yeah, he kind of surprised a lot of people and went Republican and then kind of walked away with it twice over, um, Illinois Adlai Stevenson. So poor, poor Adlai. Yeah, who's actually a very fascinating figure in Illinois history and in uh, the United States history, who played a significant role in the Cuban Missile Crisis, as a matter of fact, in case you were wanting some history of the 1950s and Illinois, former Illinois Maybe we, we should do a Stevenson podcast on the side. <laughs> What's up, St- Adlai Nation? <laughs> Maybe not, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I wish I knew his nickname. I know there's a famous picture of him with a hole in his shoe. So, hey, hey, uh, th- there. I got a connection here uh, with with Bill Clinton in the Lincoln bedroom. Oh, don't! Uh, that sounds like the start of a no. terrible joke. Oh, <laughs> it's not what you guys think. It sounded pretty bad. Hey, did you hear the one about Bill Clinton in the Lincoln bedroom? <laughs> Uh, that's why I had to set it. I, I was reading this New York Times article. I came across that supposedly he got in trouble for inviting some political donors to sleep in the Lincoln bedroom. So um, the story does not relate to Monica Lewinsky, um, at least on the surface. So imagine that. Just keep it at that. I just wanted to scare everybody a little bit there. So it worked. That's <laughs> good. Um, you know, actually. Uh, the Lincoln bedroom itself, I think, is you could probably we could probably do an episode on that. Just like you know, how, who's been there, and you know the the, the myth behind it, uh, the prestige that it has, the ghost stories that it has, also um, I think are pretty pretty interesting as well. And obviously, that's a connection to to. A we lot need a of White House insider to give us some dirt on the Lincoln bedroom. 
I know that's you know I've always yeah you know. Mm-hmm. Come on, Kennedy had to have somebody in there. <laughs> Dude, why is it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Marilyn's probably been in the Lincoln bedroom. Oh, she probably was. Oh man, this one, this this is getting off the rails. Marilyn Monroe was an admirer of Abraham Lincoln. She was very much really? so. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Very she was. So. Oh, that. Oh, come on. I think I've gone on and saying it's official. She was in the Lincoln bedroom with Kevin. It's official now. This based on Nick feeling like it's official. Yeah. So. Based on all all the solid concrete evidence that we. <laughs> she liked because Lincoln. She admired Lincoln. Kennedy liked Lincoln. Kennedy liked Marilyn. Marilyn liked Kennedy. It happened. Yeah. All right. Mary, you did you have any first. other? <laughs> Let's bring it back <laughs> to the actual discussion. If this is your first Real Splitter episode, I wish I could say they're they're all like this. We have a good time. It's a lot of fun. Uh, Mary, what do you got? Do you have any other presidents? Um, um, I I don't have a president. I have a prime minister. But he's he's the president of our hearts. Yes. <laughs> um, so. <laughs> Um, I have Justin Trudeau, the Canadian Prime Minister, who I believe is quite the admirer of Abraham Lincoln, or his speechwriter is. Um, <laughs> but um, so in Canada, we have a parliamentary system of government. Uh, right now, the the Liberal Party is they hold the majority of seats in the House of Commons, and Justin Trudeau is their leader, so therefore he's Prime Minister. Um, the official opposition to that is the Conservative Party, which basically is like, that's like our Republican Party. Um, anyway, so uh, Justin has been Prime Minister since 2015, and in his victory speech, when he won the election, he, um, he said, you can appeal to the better angels of our nature, and you can win while doing it. And when he, he said that, I was up out of my chair, like, like, just like, like saying, go, Justin. And my partner looked at me and was like, you were the only one in this country that probably just caught that reference and to Abraham Lincoln. And what Justin was referring to is just that the campaign that he he ran that, you know, you can be good while you're campaigning and you can win an, like, you know, you can win an election. You don't have to resort to really down and dirty, like, you know, tactics to do it. Um, and in that same victory speech, he also stated conservatives are not our enemies they're our neighbors and any Lincoln head's going to know what that reference is. Um, so there in, the, in that part of the speech, he's referring to the conservatives are now the official opposition and they need to be friends in order to make the government of Canada to, to work properly. Um, and then he's, he always, the better angels seems to be his thing that he constantly references um, in a, speech to the UN General Assembly in September of 2016, he was speaking about um, using like politics, like politicians exploiting anxiety for personal gain, basically, like, you know, looking at like, basically invoking fear in people. And Justin said, by appealing to people's better angels, by drawing people together, rather than stoking fears and anxieties, we were actually able to create a government that is focused on strengthening the middle class to allay those fears and anxieties and demonstrate a pot of positive engagement with the world. And he also said in that same speech, we need to focus on what brings us together, not what divides us. And that for some reason really reminded me of Lincoln. Um, so he's, 
very much, I think, influenced by Lincoln in a lot of his speeches, which I find quite fascinating that it's a Canadian leader doing that. And the other thing that I think is that it shows how timeless Lincoln is, that he's still being influ like he's still influential today. I'm not just like American leaders, like American leaders, but also in other, you know, here in Canada as well. And it shows that he really does belong to the ages. Yeah, I like that. And I, yeah, I, I like the, the better angels, I think, um, you know, the malice toward none kind of overshadows it sometimes unfairly. Mm -hmm. I think that that's such a beautiful line. Uh, and I like that it's brought up and, you know, Trudeau has a way of, of doing it similarly to how we were talking about um, the way Kennedy did. Um, where he's not like winking and nudging like hey that was a Lincoln quote like he just kind of put it into a speech in a, in a very yeah. nice and respectful nod to Lincoln and people like you get it but even if you don't get it like the the message is clear like, you yeah know, that's that's what I thought too is that he's you know he's putting this into his speeches and much like Kennedy did or you know other presidents have done like you might not know what the reference is but you get it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and even if there's like that subtle like I know I've heard that somewhere like there's, I think it kind of makes those synapses fire in your, in your brain. You make those connections. Um, shifting gears a little bit uh, to another prime minister. Um, and may, many of you may be familiar with the story, but many of you may not. Uh, talking about the, the Lincoln bedroom, uh, British Prime Minister Winston Churchill uh, was once staying in the White House and in, the, I believe, the Lincoln bedroom in the 1940s. Um, and he was kind of known for walking around uh in his, in his quarters in the White House when he was staying uh, naked, which is not a pleasant visual for many of us, but, you know, but anyway, Churchill. Hey, hey you go, man. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I like. Yeah. Um, but uh, <laughs> as the story goes, uh, he was walking around in the buff and walked by the fireplace in the Lincoln bedroom and saw Abraham Lincoln. In, 19, in the 1940s, and replied, uh, deadpanned in a way, Good evening, Mr. President. You seem to have me at a disadvantage. Uh, <laughs> and uh, as as the story also goes, he, he didn't want to stay in the Lincoln. After that, he stayed in a different quarters in the house after that uh, little story. Um, so that's actually kind of a really neat story that uh, reveals his character and sense of humor quite well. Uh, other well-known people who have encountered Mr. Lincoln, Dwight Eisenhower, uh, told his press secretary that he was once walking down the hallway and he saw coming down the hall straight toward him, Abraham Lincoln, the ghost of Lincoln. Uh, Lady Bird Johnson uh, told her press secretary uh, that she um, realized that Lincoln was in the room with her um, after she had been reading and, and doing a little bit of research about Lincoln's death. And she had a feeling of cold wash over her. And she believed that it was Abraham Lincoln um, as well. And then Harry Truman. Interesting, Nick, that both Truman and Eisenhower are on this list. Uh, Harry Truman, um, that he, he would often talk about how he wished uh, dead presidents would drop by the house again, apparently. Of course. Um, but he, he felt that he was sure that they did. Um, and he felt he could hear the floors um, pop and the drapes moving back and forth, and he felt that old Andy and Teddy were having an argument over Franklin. So he also thought that Jackson and Roosevelt and others visited him, and he also felt that Lincoln visited him from time to time as well. So um, it's good to know that our hero is alive and well and visiting people <laughs> apparently 
regularly, at least in the 40s and 50s, at the White House, uh, which is kind of a neat since, since we've gone off on the weird stories, <laughs> but there is a one about Nixon, uh, where he in the I think it was May 9th, 1970, he actually walked to the Lincoln Memorial mm -hmm. um, and actually engaged with student protesters. And I guess his engagement was so like nonsensical, is based on articles reading. That like it was so bizarre, and like his rest of his staff was really concerned about him. Like he just lost it. Um, and then I guess years later, he actually wrote, or not years later, but after the event, he actually wrote a letter. And here, let me see if I can find a quote. Uh, and he was talking about, um, he said the reason he got into dialogue with the protesters was an attempt to lift them a bit out of the miserable intellectual wasteland in which they now wander so <laughs> i could hey it just kind of fits you know and, and his whole staff was like <laughs> yep. and he's back yeah. <laughs> so um this was right around when they were protesting the bombing in cambodia and everything so um you know good old tricky dicky yeah got just going. set up the yep. lincoln memorial to talk to people about their intellectual wasteland yep. <laughs> good gosh so <laughs> So, well, uh, do we have any other presidential connections? I'm sure there's quite a few that we've missed. Um, any others we, that you guys came across? I'm surprised you didn't dive in on more of the Obama-Lincoln connections. You know, there's quite a lot, um, mm -hmm. and I think they are kind of kindred spirits. Um, I, I do think that there's going to be a really, really fun – it's going to be a fun summer at the Lincoln Museum for sure because the um, exhibit that I believe opens on March 22nd or right around there – uh, is a um, salute to Illinois presidents. So the it's basically an exhibit for, uh, well, the whole, the whole museum is an exhibit for Lincoln, but also uh, Grant, Reagan, and Obama. Um, so, you know, the four Illinois presidents, along with Lincoln, uh, will be uh, highlighted there. So that, I think, is going to be a really neat exhibit uh, to check out there. Um, and there's obviously quite a lot of connections to Lincoln. Uh, my favorite Obama connection is um, that he um, uh, announced his um, decision to run for the presidency on the steps of the old state capitol, um, and he did it, mm -hmm. I and mean, it was in his speech for a reason, and the reason he did it, that was where, uh, in the exact spot, or pretty darn close to the exact spot, that Lincoln gave his House Divided speech, uh, extremely important building in Lincoln's life um so the fact that obama chose to announce there um uh, that speech is actually in our theme song when he says the rail splitter um axe in hand that that whole thing so immediately uh from the 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 jump jump start or starting off jumping off tipping off point of his campaign uh was connected to lincoln um and he's you know visited springfield as president often um, so yeah, there's definitely quite a lot of connections between Obama and Lincoln in many ways. Um, and I do think that he, along with Bush 41 and several others was a student of Lincoln's in, in many ways. Um, mm -hmm. and, and, I, and I think that there, there's similarities, especially, I, I think that, that at their births, um, the two of them were probably the two least likely people to become president who did become president. Um, you know, I'd be interested to, to hear if there's any anybody else who wanted to throw that out for consideration. But I think that with Lincoln's circumstance coming from essentially nothing, 
um, in Obama's circumstances well from a, you know, being a black man with a, in a single parent household and moving all over the place. Um, you know, being, you know, born in what I think 19, was he born in 60? Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, who's actually in running for possibly not getting the way as much as I hate to frickin' say this. Who's that? Is Fillmore. Yeah. <laughs> Fillmore came from extreme poverty. Nick uh, has a heart, everybody. Look yeah, at that. Yeah. You know, um, his parents were tenant farmers during his formative years, you know, um, very little formal education. I mean, so not everybody who overcomes adversity turns out to be great. Um, so <laughs> that's the key thing to keep like in mind. That. He makes it over, he yeah. overcomes adversity, makes it to the White House, but no, not, not great. Yeah. I'm not trying to detract from Fillmore here, but actually just back to Obama, I was reading a story where um, Obama read Team of Rivals, um, I think, while he was running for president. And yeah. he said that there's a wisdom and humility about his approach, like Lincoln, about his approach to government, even before he was president, that I find very helpful. So I thought that was pretty cool, too. Um, and then author Ronald um, White, who wrote biography A. Lincoln and American Ulysses, both which are amazing books, um, said that Lincoln Obama had a tremendous trust in words and the power of language. So drawing huge similarity between the two of them. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think there's I think they I think the list goes on with Obama. And um, mm -hmm. I, I really one of the the parts of the evolution of the office of the president that I think has been very beneficial to everybody is the, this kind of emergence of the office of the ex-presidents, um, which not, wasn't really a thing. And obviously Lincoln wasn't able to do it. And it would have been fascinating to see if he was able to. Um, but really just over the last 25, 30 years, ex-presidents are public figures in a large way now, starting with Jimmy Carter and, and moving on. Um, not so much Reagan, but definitely both Bushes, uh, Clinton and Obama. Um, they've taken up causes and they've, they've been public figures. So, um, one more thing to kind of lament about Lincoln, not having that opportunity, but, um, I think we'll kind of see in, in, as Obama continues to be a leader and continues to have causes, um, how that manifests, uh, you know, in his legacy as a leader and as an Illinoisan and all of that kind of stuff as well. So. Dude, Jimmy Carter's dominating the ex-president role. Yes, and he's, I believe he's closing in on being the oldest, um, the president who lived the longest. Yeah, he's like 120, isn't he? He's getting up there. I think Ford Ford was like 91 <laughs> or 92, but he's, I think he's in his 90s. Um, and he is... He still um, like builds homes and stuff, too. And mm -hmm. It's insane. Yeah, he has yeah, cancer. He's 90. Yeah, he's still doing yeah. right? Yeah. But, yeah, he like built homes for Habitat for Humanity. I think that's what you're saying, mm -hmm. right, Mary? Yeah, yeah. So. And he's yeah, he has cancer and he's 90 and he's still doing things like that. Great, wow. great, great man, and definitely a, a terrific ex-president. So uh, we hope you enjoyed our conversation about Lincoln and his various connections to presidents. Obviously, there's hundreds more, uh, so feel free to send any that you find interesting our way. Throw them up on the Facebook group that you can find by just searching for Rail Splitter. 
on Facebook, or you can tweet us at RailsplitterPod. We're also on Instagram with at RailsplitterPod. And you can always email us at therailsplitterpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we are always looking for iTunes ratings and reviews. They help us get uh, move up in the search engines so that people can find us. Um, yeah, so, we need an iTunes review. It's been a long time. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, throw some in, throw some inside jokes in there, all that kind of stuff, because um, we do we'll read, read them it on, on air. air. Uh, we do like to read them on the air, so um, and we have not had a new one to read in a while. So rate us on iTunes, um, and uh, or you can send us a comment on Podbean if you want. I am working on uh, putting us in the Android store. I'm, I'm not an Android user, so I didn't really know that was a thing as much. So I'll work on getting that up. I know some listeners wanted that uh, convenience, so I will try to figure that out. Um, any? Oh, we need to do a This Week in Lincoln. Mm-hmm. All right. Who's got one for us? Nothing? Nobody? I made a birthday cake. Oh, that's right. And I saw it. I'm like, we need to make that this week in Lincoln. Because I'm like, this whole show, I'm like, I know I had one. I know I had one. I can't remember what it was. It was the birthday cake. So, and you know what I want to do? I want to say the birthday cakes. Because Mary made one, but but a couple others. others, Yeah, uh, there's others as well, too. I know Helen Helen made one. Um... Andrea, who's very uh, active poster in the Facebook group, mm-hmm. she did cupcakes. That was really cool Ooh, as well. I love cupcakes. I liked yeah. that because she had her kids involved. I thought that was awesome. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So there was a lot of love for Lincoln on his birthday. Hey, Mary, um, mm-hmm. when when am I getting my cake in the mail? <laughs> did you send so, it yesterday? I did, yes. All right. <laughs> Um, Mr. Lincoln gets a cake, Nick. Let's not get let's not get greedy. Yeah. He's a lot more qualified than we are. I not to be an ass, but I don't think he's gonna be eating it. So <laughs> no. somebody's got to. Yeah, it was you know it was it was kind of a fun few days where you go you go Lincoln's birthday, Fat Tuesday, Valentine's Day, and I don't celebrate. I celebrate one out of those three days, and it's Lincoln's birthday. Um, but still, it's kind of like oh, three days in a row where I can just indulge yeah. in things because I'm gonna use that as an excuse. And then yeah, parent conference, and then institute day. Yeah, yeah. it's getting better this week. <laughs> yes, I have an and hour I... and a half presentation that I'm going to start working on. It's going to be at eight o'clock tomorrow morning. Oh. It is ten eighteen tonight. I'm going to start working on it right when we're done recording. Um, but anyway, the uh, the are this week in Lincoln. This week are the multitude of Lincoln birthday cakes, highlighted by mm-hmm. our very own Mary's cake. Um, and talk about that plate that you put it on. That's a Pretty pretty fascinating little piece of uh, yeah. Of China I found there. that in Marine City, Michigan. I collect um, like souvenir plates, and I found that one. And I like I'm getting that. And I needed a plate to put the cake on, and I thought that one was perfect. I thought so too. That was very cool. So, all right. Well, we hope you enjoyed our little journey through a couple different presidents. Uh, once again, yeah. Shout out to us if you've got any other connections. Uh, we will have another episode for you next week. Uh, so we hope to, uh, I hope you listen to us then. Uh, but until we see you next time, please walk the world with malice toward none and with charity for all. And we will see you next week.